Welcome to Loot Before You Leap, the Aperio podcast, where we discuss our favorite games and all the industry news, reviews, and rumors. Stay tuned and follow up to never miss an episode. Hello guys, welcome to episode three of Loot Before You Leap. And today we've got a regular showing. Bruce, tell the guys what we're talking about today. Well, today we're going to be looking at UB Forward, which includes Watch Dogs Legions, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Fry Cry 6, Tom Clancy's Elite Squad, and Hyperscape. And we're also going to be talking about gaming subscriptions. Are they a good idea? Are they a good idea indeed? That one I'm very excited to talk about because I'm a sucker for a gaming subscription, but we have to talk about Ubisoft's UB Forward event. It happened last Sunday, and for those guys out there that didn't watch it, I don't know why you wouldn't, but for those that didn't watch it, Ubisoft sat down for an hour and a half, I think, and they showed all of their upcoming content. They they revealed Far Cry 6. They revealed a game called Tom Clancy's Elite Squad. They spoke about Hyperscape, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Watch Dogs Legion, a whole host of things. Bruce, straight away off that list, what's got you most excited? Ooh, oh, well, there's two, specifically two for me. Far Cry 6, I am so excited for. And Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I can't wait to play. Now, I'm probably the same as Bruce, actually. So, I'm a huge Assassin's Creed fan. I have been for years and years and years. It's like, it's tattooed on me. You know, I love Assassin's Creed. But I'm also a massive fan of Watch Dogs. They're two very, very similar games. And one could argue it's the same. Actually, good point. They are apparently set in the same universe. So there's loads of hints in each one um, that suggest that Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed are in the same world, different time zones. So time zones? Time zones? Eras. So for example, in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I'm, I'm getting so excited, I'm losing myself here. In Watch Dogs, there is a character that you can play as who is allegedly a descendant of Jacob Fry from Assassin's Creed Syndicate. That's exciting business. Bruce, did you play Syndicate? Yeah, man, I completed Syndicate. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Exactly. So for you, that's an exciting prospect. But uh, any Ubisoft fans out there, I have to break the bad news to you here. Bruce has never really played a Watch Dogs game. Yeah, I'm not going to... It just never really caught me. I, I will... I, I'm going to say I will play them before the new one comes out. But the, the first one, I just played about an hour of it and I just couldn't get into it. So... I just gave up. It's weird because you're a fan of those kind of games, right? You like open world, third person kind of adventure games, right? Yeah, they're, they're, they're like one of my favorite ones. I just couldn't, could not get into it. Just don't know why, just could not get into it. Just one of those things, I guess. But the new one, I mean, you watched the trailer uh, a short while ago. Does it look good? Does it appeal? Well, yeah, it does. I mean, the trailer itself if we were going off just the trailer, it is absolutely insane. I expect you're going to play as the taxi driver, David Ford. That's my guess for it. Um, but I hear there are some things that mean you might be able to play as anyone. Yes. So. Yes, I have to step in. I have to step in. Now, this is just... A, okay. We'll give Bruce some leniency here because he's not a fan. <laughs> but Legion... Backstory for yourself as well, Bruce, as well as everyone else listening. Legion is, you can play as anyone. Absolutely any single character you come across in the street can be recruited into your resistance and you can play as them. That could be some little old lady doing a grocery shopping. It could be a builder. It could be a cop, a taxi driver, like you say. 
anybody absolutely anyone any npc and that kind of that kind of uh flexibility is insane have we ever seen that in a game before not i don't think to that level we have um there are a couple of games where you can recruit anyone that you want in the world but not to the level of dear old ethel down the street getting her groceries <laughs> and that's the difference too you can actively play as them so the approaches that you have to missions is near endless you can go in stealthy you can use drones you can hack your way in you can be loud and brash and all guns blazing you can do whatever the hell you want there's not many games that give you that kind of freedom that i know of anyway probably the games of of you know that kind of like so maybe you could argue like grand theft auto maybe very lightly like they gave you the option to choose how you did your heists and things that's probably the closest you're going to get right yeah probably that's about the closest you'll get at the moment anyway yeah yeah but it does look absolutely fantastic i think it comes out next what is it november october uh, i believe it was november i think it's november i think it's a very busy year uh the next six seven months are going to be very very busy for you uh, yeah a, lo- a lot of stuff come out like october november I mean, I know they usually make these things more or less annual franchises, but they have had gaps. The last Watch Dogs came out oh, three years ago, I think now, three, four years ago. The last Assassin's Creed was was two years ago, you know, 2018 now. Um, the last Far Cry was, was that New Dawn 2018 or was that 2019? 2018, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah. We didn't get a new one last year. So it's very it's going to be a very busy year. There's lots of there's lots of iterations coming out for games that we all know and love and they're all coming out so close to each other there's going to be an absolute bounty of content. But the one that everyone is most excited for understandably is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I I, I mean I've played every single one uh multiple times all the expansions everything you could ever hope to I've I've had all the collectors editions in the past. I've had all the books uh, everything. And I'm such a diehard fan. And it pains me, it pains me when all these people come out and they go, it's not a real Assassin's Creed game because you're not an assassin. It's an argument that, that swells around the internet. Every single day I go on and I look at all these gamer groups and things. Everyone's saying, it's not Assassin's Creed. It's not right. I'm not going to play it. Don't play it then. I'll enjoy it day one. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't bother yourselves. But, I mean, there's, it, it looks incredible. I mean, you're a fan of of sword shield spears bows and all that kind of stuff but when they introduce the vikings into it tell me that game isn't going to be good you've got to be excited for it right bruce i mean i am excited i'm not i'm not one of these people that are saying it's not an assassin's creed it is an assassin's creed it says it in the title so i think you all need to just calm down and give it a go <laughs> you know don't don't listen to everyone else just get on it and just play it it does look absolutely amazing and it's supposed to be the the well, you say this after every single one, every new game. It's supposed to be the biggest one yet. <laughs> and every one is the biggest one yet, you know. But it's good, isn't it? Because it's coming to our home country, Bruce. It's oh, coming mate. to England. It's, it's hit a bit, a bit close to the belt, you know. The, the fact that we've been taken out a couple of times by different marauding groups. But hey, at least this time it's going to be a bit of fun. Exactly. And it's so good because it's going to be so... It's going to be... Okay, so Watch Dogs Legion is going to be the London that we kind of know today. Assassin's Creed Valhalla is going to be the London from like, you know, 1500 years ago. It's going to be great to see it from two different perspectives. But there's so much culture and there's so much history and so many of the landmarks that we, me and you, that we know. 
you know they've already said they're going to feature towns like canterbury and and winchester you're going to have like stonehenge and you know all these things that we know and that we can just go out now and see i love it when games do that when they feature the real places the real times the real people that's one of the that's one of the best things about assassin's creed right yeah i mean the open worldness of the assassin's creed games um again it's something that i really like um, I, I like being able to like go from place to place and sometimes going back to find things that I've missed. So it, it, it's it's I think it's going to be I think it's going to be one of the best games this year. But you say that in saying that because I'm quite a collectible player as well. I like to find all the little bits and pieces hidden, all the little nooks and crannies and stuff. But they they have said that all of the fluff, all of the filler that's been in recent titles, um, is kind of going away. Uh, side missions are going to really have a point. You, did you play Odyssey? Uh, I played a bit of it, but I haven't got to it yet. I'm playing all of them in, um, in the order they were released. Oh, okay. So it's I'm on Origins, not Origins. I'm on yeah, or, I'm on Origins now. So with Od- with Odyssey, it was weird because you had so many pointless fetch quests. You'd come across someone in the wild, and your character would go up to them and just be like, "Hello, how can I be of assistance?" And you'd help them like deliver a letter or go and kill this one guy or something. And it was really kind of pointless stuff that's gone they've taken that out completely so everything has a point and everything is important and the world isn't just full of filler you know it's actually meaningful which is great you don't like it when they just put stuff in to put stuff in do you know what i mean yeah i don't like games that are full of things like that like oh yeah we'll just put this in it's yeah you know they might enjoy it they might not don't do it just don't if you if you know if you have to think about it don't just don't put it in do you know where I think they got it wrong was with Assassin's Creed 1? There's that story that went around, which is true, where they... Do you remember they rushed the first Assassin's Creed? Yeah, they rushed it to get it out and just filled it full of like this, that and the other to try and make a better game. Exactly, that was the thing. They actually had the playtesters. I, ev- I think it might have even been one of the developers or the creative lead's sons or something. He played an early, early access copy and he said there's not enough to do. He said there's not enough side content. So they took all of the, what are they called? The Saracens, the the uh, the Templar guys, and they just put them in around the map in random spots. And the objective was to just find them and kill them on your travels. And they put it in just because they went, oh, we launch in like a week. What can we do to flesh it out a little bit? Oh, I know. Let's just put these guys in random corners and call it a day. And I think they followed that trend ever since. They've gone, oh, wait, we launch in like two months. How can we fill this out? Uh chests put chests everywhere uh put paper everywhere put put more shanties more shanties everywhere synchronization points uh let's do unlockable outfits let's do unlockable crafting customization on your ships uh let's put legendary weapons in this corner uh quick uh, and they just expanded it and expanded it and expanded it and it got to the point in odyssey where you had so much to do you just physically couldn't get to it all so that's why they've cut it all back which is good i'm happy with that yeah i mean it's quite nice when when people like say right okay let's take that out it's not needed um i mean don't get me wrong i liked a couple of side missions so like in black flag i liked finding the templars to get the unlockable outfit i quite enjoyed i like the hunt i call them hunt quests i love those type of quests i'm not gonna lie so i'd still like to see those but you know if they take them out they take them out yeah i mean we're likely to always have them in assassin's creed you're likely to always have those the escort missions and you like you say the templar hunt stuff and that kind of stuff is... Well, they had that, didn't they? In in Syndicate, it was called Templar Hunt. And you, you had to find them and, and kill them in certain ways. And, and that was really good. 
So, you know, as long as they don't just fill it with, with, with rubbish, it has to be something that is... But then again, you know, this is where people say, oh, it's not Assassin's Creed. If they start taking out too much, you can't please everyone. <laughs> they'll either change too much to try and make it different and then lose Assassin's Creed, or they'll try and go back to Assassin's Creed and people will be like, oh, you're just pandering. You're not giving us anything new. You can't win. But no, you, different... you, you can't win. And there's no, there's no point trying to please everyone. Please the base that you have. Don't try and please everyone. It's not going to be possible. But don't remove too much, you know? The gaming world is just full of people that are never going to be happy with what they're given. But I think people are going to be happy with Valhalla. I mean, just reading off the list of things that make it sound attractive, social stealth has come back. So, you know, you can now walk into a crowd of people and blend. You can sit on a bench and hide. You can put your hood up and kind of, you know, disguise yourself a little, which is great. That's that's old school Assassin's Creed coming right back there. Do you remember with the Assassin's Creed one with the scholars where you just put your hands together and that's it. You were hidden. Yeah, I mean, my only issue with that is how is some big burly Viking going to mix in with like medieval peasants? Just like, <laughs> yes, hello, I am a peasant, definitely. Yes, yes, but, it, but is me, it is me, it is me, peasant. You're about 20 feet tall. No, no, definitely a peasant. <laughs> Why have you but, got a giant axe on your back? No, no, definitely a peasant. I found this down the road. I found it in the floor. And bear it in mind, this guy is going to be, this guy or girl is going to be tall, broad, uh, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, covered in, you know, war tattoos and, and bear skins. And like, no, I am definitely English. <laughs> and Good the Norwegian, day. And the Norwegian accent. I mean, I don't think they have a Norwegian accent. I think from what we've seen in the trailers, they have an English accent. But still, <laughs> that social stealth is going to be ridiculous. <laughs> but, but it's what people have wanted. So, you know, you, you ask, you get. But yeah, we've I also mean- got... We've got things that me and you enjoy massively. Settlement creation. I was about to say, that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm so excited. I love building settlements. Me and you, we play games all the time where we get to build bases and and things like that. And we relish. We love it. Like we played The Forest. We played like No Man's Sky. Where else have we played where you can build settlements? Uh, Well, most survival games. So don't starve, miss survival. I mean, if I went through my list of games, most of them have base building in it. Uh, so, Civitem, you know, everything. Anything that has zombies. If you have zombies, like Fallout. Let's talk about Fallout 4's. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the goat of settlement creation. The freedom and the way they kept expanding. It was fantastic. And that is how I hope this is. I'm hoping... Okay, so Ubisoft, right? They've had base building in other games. They've had base building in The Division. They've had base building in Far Cry Primal. And how you did it was you just kind of filled a slot. So you got the requisite you know, materials and stuff. You pressed a button. That slot became populated with like a cave or a tent or a, you know, a room. If they do that in this one, I'm going to be slightly disappointed because I want freedom. I want to be able to take this plant and put it here. I want to put a fence over there. And I want to I want to put a tree here and, a, and an armory over in that corner. I don't want to have predefined slots that I fill that I'm restricted to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the thing with base building is any base building game, I feel you have to have the freedom. That's the whole point of creation. You Like you say, you don't just want a slot where you go, yeah, I'll put a tent there. I'll put a gate there. Yeah, that's real fun. Um, you want, you know... Okay, I've got 20 houses I can build. I'm putting one there, one there, one there. I'm going to put an armory over there. You know, my Fallout settlements, for example, 
the amount of thought that goes into making them, and that will give so much more hours of gameplay. So if they want to, you know, if they were going to do the whole flesh out the game, do it there. Flesh out the game with the settlement creation. Build. Let us build what we want to build. You know. Yeah, I mean that would that would make my day. That would absolutely make my day if I had the complete freedom to build wherever I wanted. Because apparently settlements in this game are very very important. It's like your camp in Red Dead Redemption 2. You have to keep people happy. You've got to do little missions for them to build up your relationships. You can form relationships. You know, you have to defend it against attacks. You have to go out and you can go like launch raiding parties to gather supplies and bring it back. It sounds incredible. Like, I know some people say that these things, they're just something else to worry about. But as long as they do it quite well and don't, and they make it more important than just an extra arm of the game, like if it's quite centric to the game's survival, though the game's success, then, then it'll be great. But they've got, they, they have tried to accommodate the fans in this. We've already seen examples of the old assassins coming in you know, the the actual, the Brotherhood, the, the Masyaf guys, we've seen guys coming in in what looks like, um, you know, that Middle East Arabic kind of outfit. They were, uh, this precedes Altair by something like three, four hundred years, I think. But there are people that have been seen in the trailers in his garb, in his kind of outfit. So they're bringing that back. And if people are saying this isn't Assassin's Creed, when there is a literal assassin... <laughs> standing on the screen in front of them then we have some problems and I, I don't know how to please people at that point because just look he is there okay at this point there might be hidden ones rather than the assassin's brotherhood but it's you know it's potato potato they dress the same if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck then it's not a dog is it there's an assassin <laughs> assassin's duck I mean, that, that would be a great spin-off. I'd play that. Absolutely play that. But there's, there's just so much you can talk about with Assassin's Creed. So transmogrification is back again. So, you know, if you want to customize your character to, to the end, end of your days, feel free. If you like that piece of equipment, but you like the stats of that one, you can mix and match. You can dual wield anything. Any combination of weapon can be dual wielded. You can have two shields. You can have an axe and a hammer. You can have a mace and a sword. You can have two daggers. However you want to approach combat, you can. They are extending the modern day story now with Layla, who has been around almost as long as Desmond Miles has now. She's been around since Origins. And now her, her story is going to be expanded too. Maybe we're going to see her um, take on some of that. What was it called? The bleeding effect. Maybe she's going to start taking on some of the assassin's abilities now they've got a strange thing a very strange thing i want to touch upon this very lightly because people are saying that it's pandering people are saying it's just ubisoft trying to please everyone you have the ability to switch gender at any point in play now that might sound strange they've said it's a result of the animus they've said uh both characters are canon and they've kind of alluded to the fact that you use the uh, an artifact, an apple of Eden, or or you know some artifact that came of those that came before, to do this, to just on the fly switch up. I mean, do you feel that's kind of pandering, Bruce? Do you feel that's like just Ubisoft trying to sort of plug into what the world is right now, or? Uh, oh, well, it's actually uh, I'm not too sure to be honest. I. Th 
wouldn't want to get too far into it because I don't really know. Until I see it in action, I don't know if it's going to be pandering. Uh, if it's done correctly, then no. But if it's not done correctly, then yes. And it's quite a slippery slope to get into until we know exactly how it's going to work and the story behind it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, it is one of those things where if I can just go into a menu, press a button, and hey-ho, I'm, I'm a female character, then I get bored, go back, oh, I'm a man. That's never been done before in a game. You kind of make your character and you're done with it. There's some way you can obviously switch. You know, you pay such and such. You change your character around and things. But like you say, there has to kind of be a point. There has to, it has to be like a, not just so you can switch around and, and Ubisoft are, again, trying to keep everyone happy. You know, you don't have to be a man. You don't have to be a woman. You can be whatever you want to be. Ubisoft are very, very, very sort of infamous for that. Trying to be inclusive of everybody and everything which is a good thing you know but at the same time it can also be a bit patronizing condescending a bit sort of insensitive you know but again we say it so many times on this on this podcast that's a conversation for a different episode <laughs> absolutely once it launches and we've both played it we can then both come back and say well well then it was obviously pandering or actually it was one of the good features about the game so until it comes out we're going to hold our breath on that i think and then once we've actually played it and had a chance to feel around and see how it's been going then then we'll then we'll decide on whether they were just pandering or whether it was a, a um a serious aspect of the game i will say a final point on that note though i hope they don't go down the route that i can see it going down because it would offend so many people if they say that you can do it tactically and they say, oh, if you switch to the woman, you're able to lure men away and all that kind of stuff. But if you switch to the man, you're able to have more brute force, brute strength. Huh? Do you know what I mean? Because that would really, that would really piss people off. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I was going with my point is that until we've played it, if that's what they've done, actually that's that could be brand damaging that could really do a serious blow not to assassin's creed but to ubisoft itself that could do a damaging blow so and let's let's be very honest they do not need any more damaging blows right now ubisoft oh the hot water ubisoft is in uh, again another episode i don't know but we need to we need to move on assassin's creed we need to move on far cry now i know you're excited for far cry i know you're very excited for far cry 6 right one word for far cry tritzo Oh, my if you heart. haven't if you haven't watched the trailer chorizo is already the best thing about this game i don't care who they got to play the villain we'll go into that in a minute but chorizo your companion is a little sausage dog who's got paralyzed back legs who has a wheelchair i am so excited i can't take it my heart can't hold these feels <laughs> my heart moves. go and look him up go and look up chorizo far cry 6 he is adorable he's gonna be our mascot for sure but this is great because Bruce just led into this here. So the bad guy in this game is none other than Giancarlo Esposito, who for you guys out there who have watched Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, you know him as Gus. That's a big, big, big win. That's an enormous win. He is such a good bad guy. And I don't know who said it. I can't remember who said it. I think it's quite an old quote. Someone saying that, um, you know, everyone appreciates a good a good guy you know but a good villain is what truly makes a show great you know what makes any media great is a good villain think of like thanos you know characters of this nature where you just like gus he was such an impressive character 
he kind of, you know, he overshadowed in Breaking Bad. He overshadowed Walt in a lot of scenes. He was, in, he's a great actor. He's got, he's got some good acting chops. And I'm hoping that's a sign of the production value on Far Cry 6. I'm really hoping because it looks, the trailer doesn't give much away, does it? No, it doesn't. There's very little in the trailer. Again, if you haven't watched the trailer, go and watch it. Uh, I mean, a good villain makes anything great. You know, look at any show. If you've got a good villain, you've got a good show, pretty much. Villains are the best part of most shows at the moment. I mean, so what they showed us, I mean, I think you, you've watched the trailer recently as well again, Bruce. Um, what they showed us was maybe like two, three minutes of of dialogue there is a kid it's very focused on this kid diego there are rumors he is a young vas from far cry 3 and this is a prequel but that's also been sort of debunked in various circles as well so it's not reliable but we've got where did you say bruce cuba uh, i believe the ubisoft forward said it was in cuba or based on cuba yeah, I think it might. Well, you've got uh, some South American nation that it looks like some South American nation. You've got a uh, a dictator, as per. You've got a nation rising up, as per. <laughs> and it looks like you just become part of that underground resistance fighting back against a dictator and leadership. Yeah, it's, that, the, it's the standard Far Cry formula, pretty much. Standard formula, but hopefully improved. You know, like we say hopefully they haven't changed too much hopefully they they you know they do they do it justice because far cry is a fantastic series it's an old series as well and i i'm i'm just as excited to play that as i am watch dogs or assassin's creed i mean far cry is like top of my list i love the far cry games one thing i hope they keep is the hunting of the animals to make like extended bows and quivers and things like that i really enjoyed the m3 and 4 did it make um, you quiver it oh <laughs> you made a joke everybody clap clap um <laughs> but i i enjoyed i even even if i wasn't using it for crafting i enjoyed going and hunting the animals down um it was it was quite a good little thing they've had that for a, for a, a while i can't see why they would take that out but it's it's there's very little known right now so it's very hard to talk about it because it doesn't come out until next february so they've shown it quite early you know they've they've shown it what's that eight months ahead of time yeah they usually do launch in february though like, i think since far cry like three no three came out in four i think since four they've always launched around that kind of time of year which is good because not much else really does so that would be good that would be a nice little filler there but it wasn't just the top titles the triple a's that ubisoft showed in ub forward they also showed i don't know if bruce has seen much on this tom clancy's elite squad did you see much on this? I saw a very little bit and I instantly didn't like the look of it myself. Um, Tom Clancy's was never something I played. I never really enjoyed it. Um, the, what, the entire universe? So I, yeah, Rainbow just, Six, Splinter Cell, all these? I just didn't enjoy it. Didn't enjoy it. I've got Rainbow Six I've never played. I've got to play that at some point to see if I like that. But they are, you know, all the Splinter Cells I just couldn't stand. I never got into them. The one time I did buy a Splinter Cell game, my old Xbox destroyed it with laser burn. So, you know, it was <laughs> it was a bad omen from the start for me. Um, but this one, uh, I don't know where this has come about from, but it just looks like mobile Fortnite featuring the Tom Clancy characters. So, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, 
I don't think it's going to be for me. I've always fallen in quite well with Tom Clancy's stuff because I like tactical shooters. And you look at Ghost Recon and things like that, and hey, you've got it. That's your tactical shooter right there. But this one just looks... So when people went into Ubisoft Forward, they were thinking, oh, we're going to get a new Prince of Persia. We're going to get a new Splinter Cell. And you're watching this Elite Squad, which, as Bruce Riley said, it looks like Fortnite but it's mobile only. And it looks like a shooter, an arena shooter, MOBA, I think they're called maybe, um, that features all of the Tom Clancy's like characters. And at one point, Sam Fisher jumps down and starts, you know, kicking ass. But everyone's like, is that genuinely the comeback for Sam Fisher? Is that really where they're going with this? Just in some little mobile, like this guy is a gaming, is a legend, you know, Splinter Cell and Sam Fisher. That goes back like, what, 15 odd years now. And they're just not doing him the justice. I think the last game that came out in the Splinter Cell franchise was seven years ago. That's that's disgusting. <laughs> they need to get back on that franchise. From my perspective, Bruce didn't like it. But there's basically nothing to talk about with Elite Squad because that was all they showed. The only thing that you can hope is that it's a joke and then all of a sudden this amazing like new game comes out of it. But... I'm I'm hoping it's a joke. I really am. I mean, is you or do you think Ubisoft's trying to break the mobile market as well now? Yeah, I mean, I could see it happening. These guys are trying to break into everything right now, and that brings us to the last thing from Ubisoft forward in in Hyperscape. You know, these guys are trying to break into Battle Royale. They've they've got they've got multiplayer with things like um, uh, Rainbow Six and Division. They've got the single player epics with Assassin's Creed and Watch Dogs and Far Cry. They've got mobile games coming in and now Battle Royale. So it's going to be a light covering because in our first episode, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and YouTube, uh, we we went through Hyperscape at length. Me and Bruce played it yesterday. Bruce, tell them what you think. Um, in all seriousness though... Uh, <laughs> It wasn't enjoyable, it, it, you know. I know it's only the open beta, so I'll give it another try when it comes to its full release. But it just, it, I just was, I just didn't enjoy it. I couldn't get into it. Th- you know, the damage that the weapons do just doesn't seem enough for like, you know, how can a pistol beat a shotgun at close range? Um, you know, the hacks, the hacks, I really enjoyed. Uh, the ball, the wall, I tried, I tried the heal. The heal ones was unbelievably helpful. The ball was quite fun to try and escape people using it, but. <laughs> The whole thrill in general, it just wasn't... It wasn't just something I could get with. Uh, there wasn't... The problem th- is... The problem is, it's just not what we're used to. We are we are Call of Duty players. We're Modern Warfare players. And that is our... We like the realism. We like bullet weapons. We like running along the floor. Not running along the rooftops, you know. And yeah. I think Hyperscape, it was just so quick. So vertical. So techie that it just it just kind of blew my mind i was like i just i cannot understand what's thing going is, on it wasn't really that quick paced because we landed and we didn't run into anyone for about five minutes you know what i mean whereas in most other games you run into people pretty much straight off and the vertical aspect of it you, you, you know you were meant to be able to climb a building in like a matter of seconds no you don't you have to like climb up it which wasn't what they were saying. That you, they were saying you could pretty much run up buildings when it first came out. There, there was no way you run up those buildings. Even trying to double jump up them, it was not possible. You get about halfway up and fall. So it, it's not exactly what they were saying it was to start with. But again, is this something that's going to be polished out in the beta? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm just not a fan of it at the moment. Like I said, I'll give it another go when it fully releases. But I could not deal with it. I just it wasn't. 
I just couldn't do it. I said it's kind of why I came off of Fortnite because on Fortnite, everyone just jumps. Everyone just spams their builds and I, I can't keep up with it. I don't know what's going on. And it was the same for Hyperscape. Everyone bounces about like a lunatic. They're flying around the map. You run up to a guy. He suddenly turned invisible and sent a shockwave at you. I'm like, well, hold on. How do we, how do we compete with that? How do you fight that? You turn the corner, a guy's got a minigun, puts up a wall so you can't run backwards. His mate comes at you in a ball, bounces down the road. I'm like, this is this is too much. Just give me an M4 assault rifle and an MP5 SMG and maybe a UAV and I'll win your game. And I'll win. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, we'll win, Bruce. Because we're a duo. But I could not keep up with Hyperscape. Same as I couldn't keep up with Fortnite. No, I think in total, I, we played well, like a couple of games. I got one kill <laughs> and that was about it. And I think the only reason I got that kill is because he was as bad as I was. So, you know, I'm, I just, it has so much potential. It's just not being realized. Yeah. Like when we flew in, we looked at the map and we were like, wow, this looks incredible. It's this huge map with so many locations. And I felt the map was actually too big. And when we landed, I was running around like, hold on a minute. Like Bruce said, we didn't find anyone for like three minutes and we were we were actively looking. And then the first person I see, I've got a minigun, a gun they call the Hexfire, and he comes towards me with a pistol. And I have a minigun, I'm, I'm spraying with this minigun and no, he just kills me in like three hits. I'm like, well, I'm not going to play that, am I? <laughs> But that's, that, that, you know, like Bruce says, we'll give it another go when it comes out with the full release. Maybe it would have, I don't know, it felt fairly polished, if I'm honest, but maybe something will change. Like, there's plenty of games I've given up on, gone back to, and loved. So, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it is a beta, so the beta is designed to find any bugs like that. So, again, let them play the beta, let them finish the beta, and then we'll give it a go. But, you know, I'm not holding out much hope. You know, give. I don't listen just to us. Give it a go yourself. Make your own decision on it. But I just really did not enjoy it. Yeah, we'll see. But that's it for UB Forward. We can't spend the whole episode talking about UB Forward, even though we love their games. I love and cherish their games. What was the second thing we were discussing today, Bruce? So the second thing we're discussing is gaming subscriptions. Are they a good idea? Are they worth the money? Are they a good idea in general? That's what we want to know. Exactly. Me and Bruce, exactly. I'm on that exactly hype again. Me and Bruce are no stranger to gaming subscriptions. Um, I think we've both been on Xbox Live for, or we were at least, because Bruce, you transitioned away from Xbox some time ago. We've both been on Xbox Live. I, I know my tenure is something like 10 years on Xbox Live. And that, when you think about it, that's a lot of money. That's a huge amount of money. Um, but we've both had subscriptions for, you know, all these gaming services and all these like multi-purchase, multi-buy, you know, hoo-hahs. And personally, from my standpoint, I'll get straight in there and say, I think gaming subscriptions in, in kind of a, a general sense are a very good idea. There are a lot of people that say, no, I don't want to play to pay. I don't want to pay to play online. It should be like PC. It should be free. Um, they're too expensive. You don't get enough benefit from them. But me, as an overarching decision, I love them. What about you? Uh, again, it's it's the main reason I went away to PC was because I didn't want to keep paying um, every month or every year to play online with people. Uh, it, it is the main reason I went to PC because then I could just log on and go online with people. Um, for the consoles themselves, they're needed, so you can't really say... I don't want them because if you don't want them you're not playing online with people 
So you have to have them for the consoles. And I think that's where I feel the value wasn't there because you have to pay. You have to pay to play online. You know, And then, for example, Xbox brought Xbox Gold, which gave you um, the odd free game here and there. Um, but then they're moving to just using a Game Pass, which might be a better idea later. So I, I am, I'm not a fan of gaming subscriptions to play online. But gaming subscriptions that you pay to get the games, I'm a bit more for. So I use uh, a service called Humble Bundle, where it's now called Humble Choice, it's changed its name, where I pay £10 a month and I get a choice of 10 games every month from the bundle that they give out. So they give you 12 games and you choose 10 from the games and you get those games to keep for... um, Mine's for the PC section, so it'll be for my Steam or my Ubisoft or my Epic Games or anything that I use on PC. So that's what I prefer to use. If I know I'm getting something good from it, like games, I'm more than happy to pay for it. But just to play online like some of the old subscriptions were, I felt those were a waste of money. You could have just let us play online. Yeah, I think that with Microsoft, with Xbox, Xbox Live made up a huge portion of their revenue, huge portion, because at one point, Xbox Live was the biggest online gaming platform in the world. It beat PlayStation, it beat PC, and it, it was it was the dominating force around the Xbox 360 times. And Xbox Live itself, Xbox Live as a paid service, has been going for 18 years. That's nuts. It's legal now. <laughs> it can drink. Well, in England, not in America. But they're going to allegedly, this is in the news right now, they're talking about phasing out Xbox Gold. After nearly two decades, they're going to phase it out. And like Bruce said, what they're going to bring in is what's called Game Pass Ultimate. So Xbox, they have a service called Game Pass, and they've had this now for a couple of years, where you pay a certain amount per month and you get access to a massive catalogue of games. Not only that, but you get access to all first-party Xbox titles. So Halo, Forza, Gears of War, things like that. Sea of Thieves, State of Decay. Um, And what they're looking at doing is taking out gold and making it so you can only get Game Pass. It does include Xbox Live as well, but it's more expensive, meaning that if you want to keep playing online, you have to pay more, but you get more. And this is a real bittersweet kind of thing here because, yeah, you're out of pocket by a few more pounds or dollars every month, but you do get a back catalogue of games. It kind of beats PlayStation. This is the tacticality. Is that a word? This is the tacticality, I'm sure it's not, behind the decision. So PlayStation have a very similar setup. PlayStation Plus will cost you about six, seven pounds a month. And then they have something called PlayStation Now, which is where you pay 15 a month. And you get access to a back catalogue of games, which is just as good as Xbox's, but it doesn't include brand new first party titles. You are not going to get The Last of Us 2 or Horizon or anything like that or, you know, anything they bring out that is Sony um, produced or or published. You're not going to get that in PlayStation now. And together, you're looking at over £20, whereas Game Pass Ultimate, you get the whole thing for 11 so you can see straight away that's a tactical decision. But like you said, Bruce, what if I don't want to pay that at all? What if I just want to play? You can't do that. Which is where Steam, sorry, Steam, which is where PC has a stark benefit over. These things cost 50, 60, 70 pounds a year to play. Just just go on and play with your friends. So in that respect, yeah, it makes more sense. But I'm very similar to Bruce in that I like more the ones that you get more. So I was on Uplay Plus for a while, 
13 pounds a month you get access to every single ubisoft game on pc and every expansion you also get every game when it comes out so watchdogs legion far cry valhalla i'd get those when they come out as part of my subscription that's insane value that's crazy good value if you're gonna play them all anyway instead of paying 50 pounds a go to buy them just pay the monthly fee and get those and everything else it's nuts i'm also a big fan of game pass i have that it's enabled me and Bruce to play together because they have so many cross-platform titles on there. I played PlayStation Now. I'm not a massive fan because the basis of PlayStation Now primarily is that you stream the games. So you use Sony's processing power and you stream the games to your console. And it's weird because if you have a bad connection, you have a bad experience. And whilst you can download the games, that's not what the service was built for. So it's very, very strange. One thing that I am a massive advocate of, and I tell Bruce about this all the time, even though he's primarily PC. There is a service in the UK. I don't know if it's replicated in any other country, but it's called Boomerang Rentals. And what Boomerang Rentals does is it's like the old love film subscriptions. I pay a certain amount every month and I get games delivered to my door. I keep them for as long as I want and then I send them back when I'm done with them. I can have two games at any one time and I get brand new games the day they come out. Royal Mail pending. I get games the day they come out. And the service is flawless. They'll dispatch it one day, I'll get it the next. I send it back, they get it the next day, I get another one. And I've used this service for about three years now. And it's incredible. I've saved thousands, thousands of pounds on new games over the last few years. That kind of service? Hell yeah. That is something that not everyone can take advantage of. If you're a PC player, you can't do it. If you're digital only, you can't do it. But for people that use discs, fantastic. So with that in mind going forward, you can think about, okay, the landscape is changing. It might be going digital as time goes on. The PS5 and the Xbox Series X are coming out with digital only versions. That kind of business might get a bit, you know, it might waver a little. But for as long as they have disk drives in consoles, I'm going to stick with with, with services like that. Absolutely. Um, this this is kind of on the same level, but moving away from that, Bruce, have you ever paid a monthly subscription to play a game, one game, like like World of Warcraft, for example? Have you ever got involved in anything like that? Uh, actually, yes. This is going back quite a way. Actually, I used to do RuneScape. You know, you'd pay, uh, God, what was it back then? I think it was three ninety nine a month or you'd pay £15 for three months or something, uh, something like five months or something like that. But yeah, that, to be fair, I did used to pay to play that. Um, there was an old game online. I doubt it still exists anymore. It used to be called um, Adventure Quest Online. It's like a little cartoony adventure game. Um, but actually, to be fair, I brought a lifetime subscription on that because it was 20 quid rather than paying like £5 a month. 20 pounds for a lifetime yeah yeah i don't think it's, i don't think it, i'm gonna have to look this up i don't think it still exists but you're still registered <laughs> i hope it's i hope it's still up actually thinking about it i'm gonna go have a look after this um but it was a game you know those type of things i don't mind paying for like because the, the amount of stuff you get outweighs the money side of it if you if you get what i yeah. say yeah so for example i'm sure everyone knows about runescape but if you don't it's an MMORPG. You go around, you play your character, you level up, you've got different stats. Um, now, the free one's absolutely fine. You know, you can play it for free and not have any issues. 
but there are certain member as- aspects to it. So, for example, if you remember, you get um, a house, so you can build a house. So for me, who likes building things, great fun, build a house. You can get exclusive quests, which give you exclusive items. Um, you get exclusive armors, exclusive weapons, exclusive spells. So there's a lot of stuff you can get, which makes it worthwhile. Uh, and when I used to pay three ninety nine a month, that was absolutely fine. That was four pound every month. I had spent countless hours on that. It's the same with the one I just mentioned, the Adventure Quest game. Again, spent countless hours on that, and I didn't mind paying the twenty quid because I'd rather pay the twenty quid than pay the five pound a month. So in that aspect, yes, I have paid for subscriptions to play a game, but not in such a way that you play with your Boomerang game where you pay, I don't know, however much you pay a month or per game, and you get it, you play it, you send it back type thing. So those were my type of subscriptions I used to play. Yeah. I mean, I I always thought about it, but I never... My parents never let me. (laughs) What's the problem? But there was a game that I've played. (laughs) There was a game that I've played for... Oh, it must be coming on 15 years now. It's called Tibia. And it's an MMO, like RuneScape, except it it looks looks terrible. Um, But it's really good. It's a really good game. And they have a premium service in there, which is... I think it's a bit more expensive than, you know, 3.9. I think it's it's a good... Uh, you buy it in kind of like blocks. So you'll buy like a 90-day pass, you know, kind of like how World of Warcraft works, I think. Um, but it's the same thing, exactly the same as what Bruce is saying. So you get access to um, premium-only areas, premium-only skins. You get the ability to buy property and, and things like that. And I've always considered doing that. I've never I've never pulled the trigger on it. But I've always thought about doing it. And I thought that if I ever went back and played it more, I would absolutely get that monthly subscription. But if you go back maybe six months, I had more subscriptions than you could shake a stick at. I had Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, PlayStation Now, PlayStation Plus, Boomerang, Uplay Plus. I was even thinking about Humble Choice as well, just so I could get some PC games down me as well. And that really, really adds up. I'd be paying something like £60 a month just on gaming subscriptions. Over the course of a year, I'm paying about seven, eight hundred pounds, which is insane. And this is another thing that you've got to discuss with these gaming subscriptions. Is there too much in them for them to be feasible, viable? You look at your humble choice. You get 10 games a month. How many of those games have you actually played in your time? Uh, There's a fair amount of them. Normally, because it's got... It sometimes has, like, AAA games in it. Um so it depends on what's in the actual bundle i mean some months there's just been some that i've not played at all uh some months there'll be ones where i've played four or five of them but there's never been a bundle that i've played all all 10 of them and that's one of the problems isn't it when you look at game pass ultimate and ps now they say they they constantly boast how they have you know x amount of games in their library oh we've got 150 oh we have 200 oh we have 300 games and that's all well and good but who in their mind is going to be able to sit down and play 300 games in any period of time? People get these subscriptions because, like me personally, I saw Red Dead Redemption 2 was on Game Pass Ultimate. And I was like, oh, I want to play that again. And I think, hold on, I could pay $10.99 for a month of, of Game Pass Ultimate and play Red Dead. Or I can buy Red Dead for like £30. Well, I'll just get Game Pass Ultimate then. And then because I'm thinking, oh, that's only £10 a month. I just keep it running. I just keep it rolling. Even if I don't play a game on the service for a couple of weeks, maybe two, three weeks, I still keep it rolling because you think it's just low enough that I don't really notice it. 
you know, 10 pounds is these days, 10 pounds is a, you know, a meal deal. <laughs> you, know, you don't realize. It's an expensive do meal deal, man. Wow. Well, well, we shop in different circles here. <laughs> that's that's, that's waitrose size meal deal right there. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Do you know what? Actually, size, tangent tangent i went into a garage yesterday a bp garage that had one of those little MS stores attached to it and they had a meal deal in there their meal deal was like four pounds 75 that's insane who pays that for a meal deal anyway gaming subscriptions so, so it's it's a very good it's a very it's very it's wide it's open to debate massively because there are those that are for and against it there are those that feel i don't want to pay just to play it's not fair i don't even use the games that you guys give away for free uh, there are people that take it for granted so they'll go okay i'm xbox live gold and then xbox will give away free games people are like oh what those free games are rubbish i'm never going to play them and it's like dude they're free <laughs> you know and and then there's the competition that it drives as well between microsoft and playstation sorry uh, xbox and playstation and you say microsoft and sony in the who's is better you know because that's a big selling point as well a lot of people think oh hold on xbox live is free now Oh, I'm getting an Xbox. I'm not playing for PlayStation Plus anymore. You know, and that's that's I, I get that it's a big big factor in the industry and it's not going away anytime soon, but you could argue from either either perspective. And and you know, it will go on forever. There are everything now we've discussed in previous episodes before, microtransactions, season passes, battle passes, the model where they make people pay over a period of time will always be better than having people pay a lump sum. So it will go on forevermore until the end of time. There are services now where you can get your laptop or your computer set up and you can connect to a cloud streaming service. So they have the processing power at their end, like PlayStation Now, but you can play AAA 4K games on your computer and pay a subscription to do it. You don't even need a good computer anymore. As long as you have good internet, you can play anything you want. It's crazy. The technology is evolving so quick. But one one constant will be the money. You will always have to pay to do this kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think that's not something that's going to go away anytime soon. You will have to pay for, pay for it till till the end of days. Until there's enough people going, we're not paying for it. You'll pay for it. You know what? We should make it. We should do an industry disruption. We should make our own games console and gaming platform with blackjack and. <laughs> and, and video games <laughs> blackjack and video games indeed i'd play i'd I mean, come to that free, i would free everything you don't pay for anything no you, i mean that's not a very sustainable i was gonna say yeah i was gonna say how are we gonna make you you pay for the console you pay for the games and we won't charge you to play online with your friends how about that everyone well that that's how it used to be that's how it used to be <laughs> with playstation 3 playstation online was free for years and years and years and then the playstation 4 came out and they were like oh hey we're gonna start charging for it so that's a, a clear-cut example how is it that playstation 3 was free to play online but it suffered massively in the console wars back between 360 and ps3 people had to pay 40 pounds a year to play with their friends on xbox live and xbox 360 still massively massively won that battle I mean, PlayStation, I don't know anyone who had a PlayStation 3. I had one later on in life, but I never had one when I was young. No, I, I, I didn't have one to start with. I had an Xbox to start with. And then when I found out there was a couple of PS exclusives that I wanted to play, then I got the PS3. Yeah, like Infamous and, and like Heavy Rain and these kind of things, like uh, Resistance and, and games like that. 
but that's i mean you know that's that's whoa, what we're talking now 10 years ago well actually seven years ago seven years ago this generation started it can you believe it man? seven the ps4 and the xbox one came out in 2013 my god and, and seven years later we're transitioning into another me and you bruce this will be the third generation of gaming we've we've played on each other with what played with each other on <laughs> uh, uh well ooh. that was a stumble Sir. <laughs> that um, was a stumble ooh. but but that's it i mean we'll see where it goes um there is talk of them increasing the prices as as the as time goes on because everything's getting bigger better bolder companies need more money therefore they have to increase the price yeah software is going to be again, more expensive subscriptions going to be more expensive expansions are going to be more expensive they're talking 60 to 70 pounds for a game that's insane and again it's something that it, it will keep going like that until you know we all rise up against them and say no we're not doing this what we need is <laughs> a resistance watch maybe a, watch ah you're yeah, right fine ruin my trailer <laughs> thanks mate i took that from you yeah but that's it that's it for episode three that's it it's time to wrap so our next episode we always do the look forward our next episode we've got a big one we've got a very big very important very very serious one for you guys it's what we're calling a debate special bruce what are we talking about next episode well, in the debate special, like you said, it's quite a heavy one. It's quite a big one. It's the toxicity of online gaming as one of the debates. Um, now, again, the culture itself is what we'll be looking into and, you know, how it affects people around. The other debate we're going to be doing, it's quite a big one. It's been around for years and years and years, and I think it's only going to get worse. Do violent games make violent people? It's so big. It's such a big thing. So toxicity of online gaming we're going to be looking at the impression that people have that women can't game we're going to be looking at how games make people angry beyond their means we're going to be looking at bullying and cyberbullying in the uh, online gaming worlds and there's this and how you have this massive you know alpha male environment we're going to be discussing those things and like bruce said do violent games make violent people we're going to be studying the history here in the whenever whenever there is a shooting whenever there's a big event people always go ah oh, he played violent games made him a violent person and that kind of thing it's been around since the 90s that kind of impression so we're going to dive into that and we're going to discuss what could be very sensitive controversial topics but that's what we're about on loop before you leap we're about talking about games and the environment and the landscape and the ecosystem so that's about it that will come next sunday i don't know what the date next sunday is what's the date next sunday next sunday the 26th 6 p.m uk time let's do it let's do it let's do the plug on spotify on apple podcast and on youtube but until then i mean that's it thank you guys for tuning in i'll see you next time goodbye from me cheers for listening guys and we will see you in our next episode thanks to you for me as well Thanks for tuning in to the Loot Before You Leap podcast. We'll be back soon with another episode. In the meantime, be sure to follow us on social media. Just search Loot Before You Leap on Twitter or Instagram to connect.